big podcast for you today. Thomas Massey talks about what's happening with our meat. I go into a recap of what we talked about on last night's television show, the Wednesday night special. This meat shortage is anything but a meat shortage. It is part of the Great Reset. And as you will hear, it is a coordinated effort to make sure that beef is not on our menus anymore. Also, the the president's amazing speech on the Second Amendment. Uh, we have Donald Trump Jr. on today's podcast and somebody that was actually there in Loudoun County to talk about CRT and what happened with the arrests in Loudoun County. Oh, and something that made my head explode. The chairman of our Joint Chiefs, what he said about CRT, all on today's podcast. Jr., the executive vice president of the Trump Organization, the author of Liberal Privilege, and he's a white guy, wouldn't you know it? You can follow him on Twitter at Donald J. Trump Jr. or his website, donjr.com. Hey, Don, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you, Glenn? I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, want to talk a little bit about your dad and what the plans are. He is um, hinting more and more that uh, he's uh, he's going to be very involved, uh, to put it mildly, in the 2022 and 2024 campaign. Um, but first, let, let's just talk about some of the things uh, that are going on. The policies of this administration are are clo- the walls are closing in on the average American. It's hurting them financially. We are we're seeing massive inflation headed our way. Um, you know, the, the beef prices are out of control. The government, you know, the president gave a speech yesterday about the new apparently AFT, not ATF, um, the new a- AFT uh, that is that there's going to have new regulations to uh, curtail the weapons that we can that we can actually buy and own your thoughts on what's happening i I think it's terrible and yet it was all so predictable i mean liberal privilege i literally wrote it about exactly what would happen yet the media in their uh role as the marketing arm of the democrat party spent you know an entire 18 months pretending that joe biden was going to be a moderate he was going to be reasonable he wasn't going to destroy your job he wasn't going to destroy your economy he wasn't going to raise energy prices by cutting off our own energy independence which is also national security not just economic uh, it was all there and they told you it wouldn't happen he was going to be moderate but the reality he's a radical and if it's not him being a radical whoever's controlling him because i think if you've watched him give a speech you realize that he's not in full command of his facilities So whoever is in charge is the person that is a radical. And you see that every day. Now they're going to infringe on your Second Amendment. Last month, it was energy independence. Two weeks ago, it was kowtowing to Russia and Putin and giving them pipelines where you can't have them. You can't have the energy independence again. You can't have those American, hardworking, well-earned, good-paying jobs. Uh, It's as though he's working for China and Russia. And this is what's going on. If Donald Trump had this sort of policy towards our enemies, the media would be outraged, but they're sitting there saying, oh, no, this is wonderful. You have a crisis at the border. The list goes on and on. The buyer's remorse. And again, 
This is coming from Americans who are still influenced heavily by a mainstream media that's so biased and is not telling you an objective truth to what's going on. They're starting to wake up and realize, oh, my God, this is what we got. The buyer's remorse is kicking in. And again, that's with everyone telling you that he's such a wonderful guy. He's totally in charge. When you have American newspapers saying, no, 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 Putin says Biden looked really sharp. He was really with it. Like, imagine the commentary that would have come from that if Putin said that about Trump. I mean, it's so condescending. Of course, Putin wants to negotiate with Biden. Biden's not there. Putin's eating our lunch and laughing about it. And the media is saying, no, this is a great, this is good for relations with Russia. It's, it's disgusting. It's despicable. I'm really, it needs to stop, but it won't. I'm really concerned. We had the right policy towards China. Look, you know, we can be friends to with anybody, um, but we shouldn't be doing deep business with people who are enslaving their own people, um, setting up a, a, a gulag system unlike the world has ever seen um, and and is stated that they are going to rule the world, you know, in the next 20 years. Uh, if it takes them that long, uh, and that they are stated enemies of the United States. We're now deeply in bed. They seem to be calling all of the shots. And I, I think Americans, I don't know what polls say, but I got to believe that most Americans were more in favor of your father's ap- approach, which was hold them accountable and call them right. for what they are. A hundred percent. And again, you you see that. I mean, you have our scientists because I'm being told and for 18 months we've all been told you must trust the science. And yet the scientists themselves last week said, well, you know, of course, the Wuhan lab theory was always plausible. We just didn't want to be on the same side as Trump. You have Fauci seemingly disobeying a, a direct order to stop sort of some of the funding of the laboratories and the experiments going over there. At what point in time, Glenn, was the Wuhan lab theory not the most plausible? We are to believe that the lab that studies Always. these exact viruses would not possibly, could not possibly have a leak. And if you did, you were a conspiracy theorist. You were thrown off of platforms. You were, you were cut out of the scientific community. But we're to believe that three feet out of the doors of that laboratory, someone ate a bat and got everyone in the world sick. I mean, are we idiots? Are we that stupid? And honestly, the next time they tell us to trust the science, could you blame anyone for being like, yeah, hard pass? I'm just I'm not going to trust the science because I don't remember learning science where scientific research is done in a way that is entirely influenced by a narrative of the media because people are worried. We science was supposed to be about fact. It was supposed to be about results, not about a media narrative, not about a liberal narrative and not about stupidity, which it seems our scientific community uh, was basing all of these things on. They're either getting paid off by China. The same thing goes true for vaccinating our children. I mean, Schools, the teachers unions, we can't do anything. The World Health Organization, which who I also don't trust, but even they're saying, yeah, you probably don't need to vaccinate your kids. It's unnecessary. And yet the teachers unions are requiring it. What, what is the end game for all of this? I don't understand it. It makes no sense. If you play the statistics and look at it, people under 21, what is it? 99.997% survival rate. Now, that 0.003% of people who did die, while terrible, I imagine there's probably some comorbidities in there. Or, like so many of the statistics, they were hit by a bus and happened to have COVID. They may not have died from COVID, they died from the bus, but it was definitely a COVID death because that helped fuel the same narrative. 
What's going on in our country right now is absolutely ridiculous, Glenn, and someone's got to put a stop to it. Um, well, yesterday, the president uh, threatened, I mean, they, uh, Don, you know this better probably than anybody else besides your father. What you just said will be construed by the media and by now this administration as a threat. Somebody's got to put a stop to it. Um, yesterday, we oh, had yeah, the no. first conviction in the in the January 6th uh, worst attack on our on our republic ever. Uh, and the 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 person that they sentenced was a grandmother. She um, was was uh, pleaded guilty to a misdemeanor of parading in the Capitol. And she got, I think. Six months of community service and a $500 fine. <laughs> yeah, it, it's ridiculous. First of all, the narrative around it is insane. They're going to do that. I didn't see, you know, the FBI is posting a picture of someone who was taking a selfie. You know, you know, I don't see the FBI doing anything about, you know, 12 months of looting, rioting, arson, murder, taking over buildings, because I guess it was woke, just like our military has gone full woke now. So they're, they're more concerned about your pronouns uh, than they are about maybe China's nuclear arsenal. That's what's going on. These people are entrenched in there. They could only care less about one side. If you were within 2,000 miles of the Capitol on January 6th and happened to be a conservative, you know, there's a chance they're investigating you. If you burned down a building or you took over a courthouse in Portland or Seattle, no problem. You get a slap on the wrist. Look at New York. You know, people who were literally caught red-handed, you know, breaking into building, arson, vandalism, rioting, looting, they're just dropping the charges. No problem. Again, what's going on is sick. When Joe Biden goes and says, hey, you're going to need nuclear weapons to try to take over the government. I mean, I look at that as a threat to the American public when he says something like that. If too. a conservative says something too. in in a opposite situation, they would be branded you know, as heretics, they would be seditionists for saying something like mm -hmm. that. Joe Biden can say it. No problem. He's 100 percent right. The double standard in the hypocrisy has gone awry. It's absolutely ridiculous. And again, it's just such a shame. And this is why, again, I still believe you need Donald Trump, because I imagine this is where you're going, because I don't know of enough Republicans who have the guts to say it to have the guts to take the slings and arrows that the media will say. It's totally nonsense, right? Let's not kid ourselves. I mean, what they say about all of those who are willing to fight is totally ridiculous. Trump's just the one that's not going to stand down because they do it. He's the one that's not just going to roll over because they say, oh, mean things about him based on total factual nonsense. Um, so, you know, that's why Donald Trump is so important. I hope that he has woken up the other conservatives. I hope he has woken up those in the Republican Party to exactly what's going on. Unfortunately, after 50 years of just rolling over to the left and kowtowing to him, it's sort of ingrained so. in so many conservative leaders that we need to make sure that changes. I don't think there are conservative leaders anymore. I, re I, I mean, name them in Washington. Name them. Yeah, you, you make a solid point, which backs up the point I was just yeah. sort of making. You know, I, I think you're starting right. to see it. But, you know, those people who are starting to do it and doing a decent job, you know, they get shut down on social media. They don't forget, Glenn, we're not it's not like we're in a fair fight. We're up against multi-trillion dollar industries. You have big tech doing whatever they can. I, can, I had, you know, 30 something million individual impressions on Instagram last week. and I lost followers like, you know, it, 
250,000 likes a post. It's like, you know, you get a couple one day and then they'll take it away over the next few days. I mean, what's going on? You, you don't have to be a genius to see it. You could be a, a very average, bad content leftist and you grow like wildfire because they believe in what you're saying, even if you're not, you know, not someone who's going to create viral content or even decent content. But because you're agreeing with them, there's never censorship. They're not deplatformed. They're not demonetized. They're not thrown off. It only goes one way. When you're up against the giant of big tech, uh, when you can't search uh, information and expect to get a fair and balanced sort of answer in, in, a, in search terms, uh, when you have the social media companies where so many people are communicating and getting information, but they're cutting off the reach of those on our side, when you have a mainstream media that's just, you know, just gone full commie, uh, you know, we're not in a fair fight, man. We're up against an incredible uh, adversarial force in terms of getting just even fairness out there. Uh, and again, that will be interpreted as though it's violence, because words these days are violence. At least words in one direction are violence, Glenn, not in both directions, just one way. But when you're up against that, you need someone who can truly fight because it's not a fair fight in the slightest. So I was um, I'm really disappointed in people now that are really on the same side. We just might have a difference of opinion on, you know, how we're approaching things. Um, but we, we've all got to come together. Can I ask you, what is your dad's relationship with, uh, with uh, DeSantis, Governor DeSantis, who seems to be uh, lining himself up for a 2024 run? Uh, listen, I think the relationship is great. I think, you know, uh, when, when DeSantis was down, we, myself, my father, I mean, we came down and we did a lot to help make sure to get that win. And you see, you know, those things are very important because you see what instilling, you know, conservative governors has done. Look at the difference in the performance between the red states and the blue states during the pandemic. Look at the difference in the recovery. Look at the flight that you have from places like, hey, I moved to Florida out of New York. I was like, so I'm going to pay an insane amount of taxes to have cops that aren't allowed to do their jobs, to have yeah. crime going through the roof, to have you know everyone that made you know, so much of this thing just fleeing in droves. What do you think is going to happen? Their solution is not fix the problems uh, that they created. The solution is to tax people even further, creating more flight to places like Florida, Texas, you know, and places that are reasonable. So, uh, you know, those relationships are good. And that's why it's so critical and why my father fought so hard for these governorships, because it's not just about the president. It's not just about right. your congressman or your senator. I mean, we got to take this thing. And it's not just about governors, Glenn. We got to take this down to local. Look at what's going on in some of these school boards and these local town councils Crazy. You know, where they've been taken over by the woke morons. They want your kids learning critical race theory because while it's total nonsense, they get to feel good about it. It does nothing other than probably create more animosity, create uh, division, all of the things that we're trying to avoid. But, you know, we need people who are willing to get involved. We, if we band together and do this, you know, they can't cancel all of us. When you have one guy out there taking all the arrows and Trump still seems to be a guy taking all the hits because you know, they're, they're most afraid of Trump, so they'll do whatever they can to diminish him. And, uh, you know, they'll build up those around him until those people become leaders. And then they'll take them out, too. That's the game. We've watched this happen over and over. If they're not aware of that, if we haven't figured that out yet, we're either morons or, you know, we, we need to do a lot better job paying attention. So, you know, that's what's going on. But those relationships have been great. And like I said, you know, my, my father went to bed for Ron DeSantis when, you know, again, that was a very close race. And then Donald Trump got involved, really changed. The dynamic. I know I spent days with the governor, uh, you know, doing just that. We're personally friendly. He was very you know, good with us when he was a congressman. So that relationship is great. I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear that because we we need all of us standing together. 
uh, you know, as Franklin said, or we all, we all need to hang together or we'll hang separately. Donald Trump Jr., please say hello to your father for us. Um, uh, there's a ton of Americans, and I know I say this every time, but I, I just want to make sure that he, he knows millions of Americans are behind him, think about him all the day. And quite frankly, as I, as I, uh, uh, I think I told you the other day, traveling the country and having to fill up my gas tank, I think your father needs to run spots on those little the gas tank uh, or gas uh, uh, gas station uh, TVs because I can't uh, yeah. believe how much we're paying for gas. It's, it's obscene. No, Glenn, it's Thank insane. you so much, Doug. I, I see it every day. I'm the it son is. of a billionaire, and I, I, when I fill up my tank or when I go to the supermarket to grab some groceries and I see the difference, it's like if I'm noticing it, guess what? Everyone in America is noticing it, and they have to, and That's we right. can't just accept it. The policies that Joe Biden is pushing are creating this. Trump's policies are what allowed us to thrive. You know, you may not like the tweeting. It may be a little mean. I would venture to guess that most of it was pretty much spot on, even if it was mean. Sometimes you need a disciplinarian parent, right? That's what happens. Uh, But we can bring that back. It's very simple. We just can't sit there and be inactive. Thank you very much, Donald Trump Jr., uh, the author of the book Liberal Privilege. And you can follow him at donjr.com and uh, also at Donald J. Trump Jr. Are you prepared for the next prolonged food shortage in America? As we've recently seen, we are one hack away from losing major supply lines on pretty much anything, it looks like. 98% of Americans only have a few days' worth of food at home. That's why I strongly urge you to get a life-saving stockpile of food from My Patriot Supply. They're the nation's pioneer in emergency preparedness and self-reliance, and I've recommended them highly for years. I know the people at My Patriot Supply. They're friends. Just go to preparewithglenn.com right now, and you'll save 25% off a four-week emergency food kit from My Patriot Supply. Food lasts up to 25 years, a much-needed 2,000-calorie delicious food every single time. And you can go to preparewithglenn.com right now. Save 25% off their absolute bare minimum that you should have, the four-week food kit. Don't wait before it's too late. Act. Don't react. Go to preparewithglenn.com now. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck Program. Last night... I did a, uh, a special on what I call the meat mafia, what is really going on, and you see it with the price of meat at your supermarket, and they say it's because of the pandemic. I am telling you, it is not. It is all about the Great Reset, and I'm going to make a case here for you, but to get the full case, watch last night's show on the Blaze TV. Uh, just go to blazetv.com slash Glenn. I think it's up on YouTube. I'm not sure. Uh, but please, if you care about anything that I'm going to say, you've got to spread this word. You've got to take this video and share it with as many people as you possibly can. Um, I'm not even going to get into the home prices because th- this is connected, and I connected it last night to what's happening to our farms, our farmland, and our ranches. Uh, right now, the the... Every expert will tell you we are in a house price bubble. The housing bubble is way bigger, way bigger than it was um, in 2008. So if we know this 
And we know that these are all-time high prices. Why would the very, very wealthy investors go in and buy at the top of the market, which is happening with one of the largest, in fact, the largest money manager in the world, BlackRock, who has a suspiciously high amount of its employees now all throughout the Biden administration. These are the guys who are leading the way with the Paris Climate Accords and the ESG banking stuff and all of this. They are leading the way. Well, they just they're buying up whole neighborhoods and paying up to 50 percent more than the asking price. Why are they doing that? That doesn't sound like a smart investment. You buy low, not high. Well, I explain, I think, why they are doing this in last night's broadcast. But I just want to focus here on one thing, and that is what's happening to the price of meat and what's really going on. And you won't get this anywhere else. And I'm telling you, it's right. Let's start at the beginning. Michelle Obama on the campaign trail, 2008. She says this. And Barack knows that we are going to have to make sacrifices. We are going to have to change our conversation. Uh, We're going to have to change our traditions, our history. We're going to have to move into a different place. Then Barack Obama, this is what's happening right now. Barack Obama says at at the end of his campaign in 08, he says, we're going to fundamentally transform. Within five days, fundamental transformation. Well, it we thought it was uh, happening, and we worried that it might continue after him. However, what we didn't realize is that Joe Biden is nothing more than a shadow puppet of Barack Obama. Here he is two weeks ago saying this himself. What we're seeing now as Joe Biden and the administration are essentially finishing the job. And I think it'll be an interesting test. Okay, so listen to what he's saying. There's 90%. He said 90% of the people in his administration were in my administration. And so he is finishing the job. That's really important to understand, especially when it comes to meat. Now, listen to this. There are only four real companies that process our beef. There are all the small guys have been purchased and and shoved out of business. Uh, And the four left, I call them the meat mafia. And they say the price of beef is rising due to the pandemic. Well, is that true? If so, you would see the divergence in prices. It should have begun last year. Let me show you a chart here um, that that shows that, oh, wait, it didn't happen. It didn't happen in the last year. This is over a 10 year period. It didn't begin in 2020. This has been going on since the end of 2014 and the beginning of 2015. Now, here's why this is important. You see the price of beef going through the roof and the price of cattle going down. This has never happened before in history. Why is it happening now? And why did it start around 2015? Well, they have all kinds of excuses, but let me tell you the truth. In 2015, 2014, this is when Obama was in overdrive, calling climate change a weapon of mass destruction. John Kerry was all over the globe. He, it all 
culminated with him and the 2015 Paris Climate Agreement. Now, you might think that that's about global warming, but it's not. This is why they went crazy. That thing does nothing, we thought. But as I showed you in March, the Paris Agreement included a lot of things all of us completely missed. That is so critical to understanding what's happening in America. Article 2.1C of the Paris Climate Accord says this. The Paris Agreement mandates country parties to make financial flows consistent with a pathway towards low greenhouse gas emissions and climate resilient development. This was all about the banking system. This pushed both the World Bank and the UN to create a framework for banks and financial institutions to begin to pressure corporations to go woke and to pursue green alternatives. Now, is it a coincidence that all of this was going on while a historic divergence in cattle and beef prices began? Never happened in history before. And now it is. Okay. How can I make this charge? Well, all you have to do is go to the websites of the of the big four meat processors. Tyson has added an environment, social and governance or ESG section to their financials. Cargill has done the same thing. Likewise, JBS and National Beef. Those are the four country uh, companies and they're all talking about environmental responsibility. When you hear real environmentalists talk, what do they say the number one leading cause of global warming is? And if you don't address this, nothing else matters. Cow farts. They're saying the methane produced by cattle. You and I both know this. The farming industry, they say, is responsible for global warming if we can't get the cattle farmers under control, then we don't make a dent. Okay. I want you to understand, the none of this actually has anything to do with the environment. It has everything to do with money and control. But they're using global warming as the way, the vehicle, to get control and money. So... These four companies all of a sudden become very ESG-centered, environmentally-centered. Well, how do you do that and, and process beef? Well, as it turns out, uh, three, well, let me start here. Two out of the four companies, the meat mafia, one is owned by Brazil. The other is a wholly-owned subsidiary of China. All four of these uh, are, are processing about 90% of our, our meat. Three of the big four have gone all in on lab-cultured fake meat. Lab-growing uh, meat is pulling in millions of dollars of investment now. About one year after cattle prices began going down and beef prices started going up, Tyson Foods announced a massive campaign, $150 million, to fund meatless food alternatives. Tyson did this, as in one of the big four meat processors. 
But this is something now they're all doing. Cargill announced last year they were stepping up their investment in fake meat. They poured money into labs like Memphis Meats, uh, Elf Farms, also $75 million to Purus. JBS, the world's largest meat supplier, has also announced their intention of expanding their role in lab-cultured meat. JBS CEO told Bloomberg, and I quote, this is the CEO of the meat processing plant. Quote, meat from animals will be a pricey luxury in the future, and people will have to turn to vegetable-derived alternatives, which will be cheaper. Why will it be cheaper? It's not the price of the cattle. The price of beef is going up because of JBS and the four big meat processors. They're clearly on board with fake meat. By the way, they're one of many woke corporations that are pledging to go net zero by 2040. How can you go net zero if you are are part of the processing of the animal that is the biggest problem with global global warming? Answer, you can't. Well, they just invested, JBS did, a billion dollars into the green agenda. One billion dollars. Now, something tells me that ranchers aren't going to see a dime of that money. These companies know exactly what they're doing. They're lining up now for the mother of all paychecks. While the government pushes incentives for companies to fall in line with the Great Reset, the corporations are gearing up now to corner the market. Why else would Bill Gates be buying up all the farmland When he says things like this, I do think all rich countries, that would be us, should move to 100%, 100% synthetic beef. You can get used to the taste difference, and the claim is they're going to make it even taste better over time. Eventually, that green premium is modest enough that you can sort of change the behavior of people or use regulation to totally shift the demand. Hmm. So wait, what what does that mean? Well, let me play a bioethicist who likes to eat meat. Let me give you um, in a conversation among uh, bioethicists who are trying to figure out what do we do about meat? I want you to listen to what he said. Listen carefully. So I'll give two examples. So one is that uh, people eat too much meat, right? And if they were to cut down on their consumption on meat, then they would, uh, it would actually really help the planet. Uh, but people are not willing to give up meat. Yeah, you know, some people will be willing to, but other people, they may be willing to, but they sort of, they have a weakness of will. They say, wow, this, this steak is just too juicy. I can't do it. I, I'm one of those, by the way. So, you know, but so here's the thought, right? So it turns out that we know a lot about, so there, we have these intolerance to, uh, so I, for example, I have milk intolerance. Um, uh, and there, some people are intolerant to crayfish. So possibly we can use hu- human engineering to make it the case that we're intolerant to certain kinds of meat, to certain kinds of bovine, uh, bovine proteins. And there's actually analogs of this in life. There's this thing called the long star tick, where if it bites you, you will become allergic to meat. Uh, I can sort of describe the mechanism. So that's something that we can do through human engineering. We can kind of uh, ad- possibly address really big world problems through human engineering. Human engineering now to stop us from eating beef. By the way, one last thing you should know about. 
the Biden BLM nominee. That's not Black Lives Matter. That is the Bureau of Land Management. This is where most of our beef grazes. You want grass fed beef? It's it's fed on government land, BLM land. Um, It's been that way forever. Ranchers cannot survive without BLM land. So what? Why am I bringing this up? Because the new nominee that Biden has picked to run the BLM uh, believes that we should have one or two children only uh, because it's it's killing the earth. So she's anti-children, one to two children only. But here's the more important thing. She says uh, real food, meaning beef, kills our public land. She said public lands all over the West should look as healthy as the land uh, shown in this picture on the right. But more often, our public lands look like the land on the left because cows have pummeled it. So the woman who is going to be in charge of the grazing of our cattle and the future of farming and the future of of ranchers is against cattle grazing on the land she's going to be in charge of. They are putting meat off the table. I'm telling you now, if you don't get involved locally, if you don't call your governor, if you don't call your state rep, if you don't start going to a farmer's market, if you don't support local processing, you're never going to have meat again. And I guarantee you that it will become a very pricey commodity. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to usabeef.org. They will put you directly in contact with local beef producers. You deal directly with local ranchers, local businesses, local banks, local farmers. That's the way to attack this right now. Also, alert your governor and your uh, state representatives. It Go to first thing, usabeef.org. Do it now. The best of the Glenn Beck Program. This critical race theory is getting out of hand, and now because they are denying it, uh, they're denying that it is playing any role in our schools at all, and it is going to get worse and worse. Um, Now in Loudoun County, I think this is perhaps one of the worst examples in the country. If it's not, I oh boy, I'd hate to hear what is. Um, they two days ago they had a public meeting, a hearing on transgendered bathrooms, et cetera, et cetera. But a lot of people showed up to talk, and the school board didn't seem to be uh, uh, happy about the comments from many of the people there. Um, and I, I want to bring in somebody who is actually in this meeting. Uh, his name is Ian Pryor. He's the executive director for Fight for Schools, senior counsel of Unsilenced Majority. Uh, and he was there at the meeting two days ago. Ian, how are you? How you doing, Glenn? Thanks for having me. You bet. Um, I I want to give you a a recap of this as written by Fox News, so it should be friendly coming from Fox News. The first half dozen speakers were in support of policy proposal 840, which is what? Transgendered bathrooms and... 
Yeah, so transgender bathrooms, um, you know, re- requiring teachers and students to refer to other students by their chosen pronouns and then requiring um, schools to allow, you know, biological males to play in female sports. <laughs> okay, but fireworks erupted when the seventh, who identified herself as a mother of a transgender Loudoun student, was booed after saying hate was dripping from the followers of Jesus in this room. She was swiping at Christian parents. Um and is that what happened? Yeah, that is what happened. And actually, Glenn, you know, I I led a team of of volunteers. You know, we're looking to recall this school board. So I led a team of volunteers out to Leesburg, Virginia, to get signatures for one of these school board members, actually, while the meeting was going on. So we were watching it on our phones um, as we were going door to door throughout the neighborhoods. And, and, you know, we knocked on one person's door. They opened it. They were signing the petition. And, and we were watching it literally at the time that this person was signing the petition to recall two of the school board members. It was, it was just an incredible, wow. incredible event, but I mean, just insane. And you could tell that that was done really to, to rile the crowd up um, and to get them angry because, you know, most parents, when they go there, they, they direct their, their comments to the school board. They don't direct their comments to other people in the audience and their religious beliefs. And that was just uncalled for and absurd. So they called a they called a five minute recess. Then the board uh, voted that if there's any more eruptions, that they're going to clear it and uh, this meeting will be over. But a ton of people uh, showed up. Now, the way this story is written and others are written is that they did everything they could to make sure that everyone was heard. But it was these people who are against critical race theory. They just caused chaos. Tell me what really happened. Yeah, so so what, you know, this actually started about two weeks before at the last school board meeting where, you know, for the first time in really a year and a half, you had parents that were allowed in the in the meeting room, other than, you know, usually they would have one person speaking at the podium, but everyone is allowed to sit in the audience. And somebody cheered for one of the speakers and they, they shut it down for five minutes. So we kind of knew that they were, they might be planning to shut it down when they started to hear things they didn't like. So they really packed the, the beginning of the speaker lineup with um, folks that were for the school board's policies, for the transgender policy, but they kind of ran out of gas around, you know, 17 or 18 speakers in. And that's when all the rest of the parents started speaking. So you had, you know, out of the next 30 or 40, it was probably an 85 to 15 ratio. And then we had a former state senator by the name of Dick Black that just gave a, a passionate speech and, you know, everybody applauded. And that's pretty much what happened. And they shut it down because of applause. And, you know, my contention is applauding is a form of expression and you are expressing support for the speaker. That's a First Amendment right. When you shut down that meeting because of that, you just violated the First Amendment rights of everybody in that room. Well, you, you clearly have. Um, now, the are, are they going to have more public hearings? Because one of the things is revolves around a teacher that said, look, I, 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 it, is, it is immoral and wrong to call a little boy a girl if that's what he wants to be called. I, I, I won't do it. And I think it's also wrong to have bathrooms where anybody can go into any bathroom. He said that's also wrong. And he was, uh, I don't think he was fired. He was suspended for saying that, right? That's right. You know, he went there on his own time as a resident of Loudoun County about, I think, a month ago um, to speak his concerns. The, the public comment, they requested public comment on the policy. He gave public comment. He didn't say anything inappropriate. He was put on administrative leave. 
He took it to the circuit court in Leesburg. He won a resounding victory. And now the school board, the school system is appealing that victory. And, you know, could you pick a better case name for somebody um, trying to exercise their religious rights than Loudoun County Public Schools versus Cross? That is the case name of the Virginia (laughs) Supreme Court case. So what happened to this county used to be pretty reliably red. Um, I mean, it was only like eight points in favor of the uh, Republicans, but that's quite a a large spread. Then I think Loudoun County went, what, 25 points for Biden this time. How how is this county so far off track so quickly? Well, I think what you're seeing is is the growth of the bureaucracy in in Washington. And so you have, you know, Fairfax, Arlington, Alexandria counties have traditionally been blue. But as these things have grown, as these um, these counties have grown, people have started to move out to Loudoun County where they could get more space. And Loudoun County was renowned for its public school system. I mean, that's that's why I came out here in 2018. But unfortunately, all these people coming in from Fairfax and Arlington brought their politics with them, as we see so often in this country. And that, I think, is what is what has resulted in the, the dramatic shift um, on the to the to the blue side. So the superintendent, um, Scott Ziegler, uh, <clears throat> has uh, said <clears throat> that this is uh, this is nothing more than a dog whistle politics, that all of this stuff about CRT is nonsense and people are being ginned up uh, by using dog whistles. Yeah, that, you know, we find that amusing. Uh, you know, somebody who, and, and that's part of the problem, is that they just will not admit that critical race theory informs their teacher trainings and their, you know, instruction of students. In fact, we have an email from the last superintendent that says exactly what I just said. And this, this is a superintendent that left, you know, a couple of months ago. So, you know, what's changed and nothing's changed. They've had a, a consultant on on board for three years called the equity collaborative out of california that's basically running their teacher trainings that set up their whole quote equity program and this equity collaborative their entire module is based on oppression analysis and critical race theory it's all over their documents you know within the school itself we've seen dozens of documents teacher trainings where they talk about you know being the oppressor or being the oppressed you know one document which was particularly striking even said if you are a light-skinned person of color, you are an oppressor vis-a-vis a dark-skinned person of color. That's how far down they are going to divide people, not just on race, but actually on shade of skin color. I mean, that's, you know, one drop of, one drop of Jewish blood makes you a Jew in, in, in Germany in the 1930s. I mean, it, it is... It's getting scary on what these people are teaching and the media is covering for for them. How do you respond to the media who says, uh, and and in fact, our joint chiefs chairman yesterday in testimony in uh, Congress said, this is just an obscure uh, teaching that happened in Harvard and it's not happening in our schools. How do you respond to those people who are carrying that water? I would say, you know, documentation, 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 and, and we parents have done our homework. And, you know, it's easy for the, the legacy media to swoop in and say, 
you know, what is and isn't going on in our schools, but we're the ones that see what happens when, you know, we walk by our kids' Chromebooks and, and see what they're learning. We're the ones that talk to our kids who are students there. You know, the, the superintendent in one of his interviews said, you know, I talk to students and, and this is what they're telling me. It's like, well, you know what? We talk to students every day because there are kids and there are hundreds, thousands of parents now that are rallying to this cause to, to recall the school board. And they are seeing the same exact thing. So the fact of the matter is that the, the school board, the superintendent are really just gaslighting the community here. They're attacking parents, saying that parents are spreading misinformation, when in fact it's the parents who have done the homework and the school system has absolutely no response whatsoever that's credible. So when when they come out to attack you, they say, well, you used to be you were somebody who was involved in politics. And this is proof positive that (laughs) you can't you can't listen to him. He's clearly nothing but a uh, Republican operative. How do you respond? Yeah, you know, I love I love that attack line. It's it's I, I worked in for Republican organizations and the Justice Department for, you know, six to eight years, give or take. I've been a a parent for eight years, and I'm going to be a parent for the rest of my life. That is where my priority lies. Second of all, I wasn't planning on getting involved in this fight until you had a private Facebook group that had six school board members that planned a campaign to target parents with illegal activities, and I found myself on that list. So you can be sure that I'm not going to sit there and take it lightly. And, you know, really what what happened was it was maybe six to eight of us um, parents that really were, just got on somebody's back porch and said, all right, this is enough. This school board has ignored and mocked parents that were trying to get schools reopened. Now they're taking part in these secret Facebook groups where parents are being attacked, doxxed, targeted. It's time for them to go. And, you know, sure, I, I utilize the skills that I've learned through working in politics and as a lawyer over the years. Um, that's to be expected. But this is truly, you know, I don't even know if we can call it a grassroots campaign. It's probably a back deck campaign because that's really where it started. Um, and how do you think it's going to end? Well, you know, I think that unfortunately this school board is not up for re-election until 2023. We've already seen a handful of lawsuits. I would expect there would be several more. Um, we're trying to recall six school board members. We've made amazing progress in six weeks. In, in fact, it's gone faster than, than I even planned for. Um, we're at close to 90% of required signatures for, for one of those school board Holy members. Cow. And ultimately, you know, once, once we get those signatures, then unlike in California, we have to take it to court. And the court will decide if these, these school board members, uh, you know, abuse their office neglected their duty or incompetent in the performance of their office. So this is going to end up in court sooner or later um, on multiple levels, recall, you know, First Amendment issues, all the things that are swirling out there. So I'm just not sure how this board is going to be able to credibly function in a representative fashion for this community going forward. Uh, I can't thank you enough for for standing up locally in, in your in your own community. This is the only chance we have of of winning and making sure that our constitution and our bill of rights apply to every single american is uh, do what you're doing and take it through the court be calm and collected uh use wisdom and knowledge uh and uh and let the system grind it out uh ian thank you so much thank you very much glenn <laughs>